Hello, I'm your host Jim McLean. Welcome to this week's edition of the Bantaflix Movie Review Podcast. We've awoken from our festive slumber, so we're finally going to be getting a chance to talk about Star Wars The Last Jedi. So we'll get straight into our review of The Last Jedi as I sat down with one of our newest contributors, Joseph Lennon, to see what he thought of the film. Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. So that's a clip of Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and I'm joined now by one of our news contributors, uh, Joseph Lennon. Joseph, hello to yourself. You're going to be telling us about uh, your thoughts of The Last Jedi. You've seen it a couple of times already. I've only seen it the once, but uh, let's get stuck in. What did you think of uh, Episode 8? Well, I personally loved it, so did. Um, I do know that there is a lot of fans and film goers out there that are really disliking it, but... I found it to be really quite enjoyable. Yes, it it does take a lot of the Star Wars mythology in bold new directions, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was bold to do, but I really did enjoy it. The way that Ryan Johnson, you know, took the risks in that. So I just, I really did like it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I want to go see it again. I have a review written for the website, but I want to go watch it again. Um, I thought it was different. I think I'm... I'm 35. I don't know how old you are, Joseph. Um, I'm 35. This is kind of the Star Wars movie I want as a 35-year-old. It's it's darker. It Yes, it pays homage, much in the same way that The Force Awakens did. But I think it, it's darker in tone. It feels more adult-orientated. And I like that. And I mean, come, before I re- before we really get into the nitty-gritty, like Ryan Johnson, he seems like a strange man to, to helm the choice. I mean, we think of Brick, we think of Looper. Yeah. But but what did you think of him as before you watched the film? What did you think of him as a directorial choice for, for episode eight? I thought Ryan was a fantastic choice. Um, I personally, I love Brick, but Looper is one of my all-time favorite movies, so... When I heard that Ryan Johnson was going to be the director of The Last Jedi, I was super excited because all you have to do is just look at Looper. You know, they understand that he he knows sci-fi and he knows it well. So I was really excited for Ryan to do it. And I know, I mean, we're, we're, we've, you've said your thoughts in the film. Like for, for you, like I know there's there's some of them in the Bandaflix ranks. I know later in this podcast we're going to speak to Bill Taylor, who, who aren't fans of The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Who have problems with it, and there is fans, as you've mentioned, yes. have fans with, or have there is fans that have problems with this episode as well. I can understand those problems, but for you, The Force Awakens, were you a fan of that as something to revitalize this franchise? Again, I could see why people did not enjoy The Force Awakens that when it came out, and a lot of people compared it to a New Hope. But to me, it was almost like it was a self-reflection it was kind of like guys listen you know yes you've seen this before but you know it's basically it's what you love you know through the star wars mythology you know and yeah i did see a lot of kind of similarities you know with a new hope but it was a completely new take on the whole mythology you know everything was up to date you know you had new characters develop as well as reintroducing old characters you know but I thought The Force Awakens was fabulous, you know, and as you said, you know, this is a lot darker, you know, this would be our Empire Strikes Back, and I did see similarities to Empire in this, but, it, you know, it was like, yes, you know, we are paying homage to, you know, what you've seen before, but it was like, I am going to stand my own ground, and to me, you could argue it is, it is its own film, you know, on its own two feet. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it does pay... A lot of homage to Pez. There's a return. There, there's a bit of Return of the Jedi in there. There's Empire Strikes Back. There's an, a bit more Empire. There's a bit more of a New Hope here as well. Um, there is my my favorite little, little nod is, and it's not a spoiler to say near the film's finale when 
at first glance, they appear to be on a snowy planet. Yes. And they're like, no, 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 this is not snow. It's not snow. This is salt. This is salt. And I, I just felt right. Okay, I get, I get you because I, yeah. I could feel Bill Taylor's hot breath <laughs> as a someone who did not like the Force Awakens. I know we'll be speaking to Bill later, okay. but for me, the real strength of this of, of this new trilogy, you've kind of touched on it, Joseph, is the the new characters, Finn, Ray, the the coolly named Poe Dameron, you know, yes. I think if ever there was a man th- who just had an awesome Star Wars name to rival Han Solo, you've exactly. got there. So what do you think of, of, of these new characters and the arc that we've seen them, without trying your best not to spoiler, yes. the arc you've seen them go on from where we met them in The Force Awakens to where we meet them now and where we leave them before we hand the film back to J.J. Abrams for episode 9? I think the film, like, first of all, it is a Star Wars film and it has a lot to balance, you know, because you've got to balance mythology, what the fans are expecting, new stuff, you know, and it is a really tough act to do. And I think that Ryan Johnson really perfectly balances these at a fantastic pace. Um, in terms of the characters like Ray and Finn and Poe, to me, what really, really made me happy was the fact that instead of long, drawn, drawn out, you know, backstories and all this, it was more through what they did yeah. than what was said that really made an impact with me. Like, at the beginning of this film, you have, not going to any spoilers, but you have a certain character who is just Ramstam and the things, you know, and that's basically all you need to know about his character. You know, he is just there to get the job done instead of, you know, having long drawn out, you know, oh, we should do this, we should do that there. It's just to the point. And that's what I really liked about these new characters. It was just, they were already constructed. It was just straight into the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the opening to this film, look, the prequels get a lot of kickings from a lot of people. I'm one of those people that really does enjoy kicking the prequels. Yeah. There's few positives the the one thing I will say is Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. You know, it has a great opening, a great space battle opening. I think the opening for this film is probably the best we've seen since that, in my own opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about prequels and the original trilogy, the original characters are here again. We we have Carrie Fisher in this. I have to admit, I had a sob in in this film. Not for uh, there's a pretty kind of shocking moment pretty early on in this film and I'll not go into spoiler but I mean it's it's that is not the reason why I had a sob in this film and mm-hmm. um, I did find myself as someone who's had had touched been touched by depression I've always found Carrie Fisher someone a really interesting character someone who embraces that side of her character yeah and I did find myself getting really upset at the fact that just seeing her on screen and seeing that this woman has had passed away and there's a lovely I know I'm someone who usually criticizes the callbacks to the star- to the original trilogy. There is a lovely callback to the original trilogy with um, Luke Skywalker, yes. and I had a little sob at that point. Yes. But we've mentioned we've mentioned Carrie Fisher. You know, Mark Hamill's back here yes. as a very different kind of Jedi Master, almost a pseudo kind of Yoda kind of character role he's cast in now. Hands not back, obviously. Yeah. Spoiler, but you know the old car. I've always found almost with the Force Awakens, the older characters are maybe where the problem problems with the narrative comes. It's trying to get them to fit. The new characters are great, and I, this does feel like a handing over of the baton. Yes. Now for this last episode, it is the new characters. Kind of, it is now your story. Yes. But but what did you think of those those older characters? What do you think of Luke finally gets some dialogue this time round? You know, JJ didn't trust him. Ryan clearly did. Yeah. But we've got Luke, a bigger part of the film. Uh, Carrie Fisher's still there. There's a few other members of the, the original cast uh, knocking about there. But what do you think of of them within this narrative? Well, I have to agree that when I did see Carrie, I did start to tear up because, you know, after all, she is Princess Leia. She is, you know, the quintessential character in Star Wars. And um, she is magnificent in this film. She really is. Like, she's magnificent in all the films, but to actually see her kind of in action in this film, it was just amazing to see. And yes, that um, spoiler that we can't talk about. Um, yeah. <laughs> That I actually thought that was a really cool moment. A lot of people were kind of like, "Hmm, I don't see that," but yeah, I just I thought it was just too cool. Yeah. Um, I did um, 
shed a tear at the end when I said, you know, to our Princess Carrie So it was heart wrenching to see, you know, but I thought she did a magnificent job and it certainly is a great way to go out for her character. It really is. Uh, for me, Mark Hamill was the best thing about the film. I just was delighted to see Mark back in the role. That wink. That, that wink. That wink. Uh, as like Skywalker. Um, I was skeptical, you know, after, you know, the end of Force Awakens and Mark having no dialogue, you know, a lot of people were kind of like, what's he going, what's his first thing, you know? Um, not going to say what it is, but what he does after that is just priceless. And Mark really conveys a really beaten Luke Skywalker. I have to admit, he was just phenomenal of balancing, you know, light and dark, you know, which the movie basically does. But, um, the, the chemistry between him and Daisy, you know, Ray, was just phenomenal. I bought every minute of it. You know, it was like, no, I can't see that new character with that old character. It just worked on all levels. And towards the end of the climax, Mark has a standout moment, which actually got a round of applause in my cinema. And I actually stood on my feet and <laughs> clapped, you know. I just thought it was the best, you know. It was so Luke Skywalker, you know, and... Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I I, t- I totally agree. I I can see. I think you've mentioned this. I I can see why fans are maybe having problems with yes. this new trilogy. I've I have said it from day one. Yeah, it's almost this kind of reluctance to accept that this new trilogy isn't for them. Yeah. you know, Bill Taylor. I come back to. I know I'm speaking to Bill later in this podcast. Bill had this moment of realize realization when we la- when we did our Force Awakens podcast where he kind of realized that Star Wars, this new series, it's not for him. It's for his daughter. But they're still going to get his money. He's going to give them money. But he just kind of, it's it's not for me. The original trilogy will always be mine. Can you see maybe why fans are having this negative response to to these new trilogies? While critics seem to be, you know, lauding them as being fantastic. (laughs) I think it's basically, it comes down to that... Today, for me, everybody today is a critic, you know, and I think it's it's that old saying, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it, you know, and I think people, no matter what franchise or whatever it is, you know, that it's going to be, you know, whether rebooted or, you know, brought back years and years later, I think people are just too attached to something within the role, you know, kinda, and I completely understand that, but to me, it's kind of like, guys, listen, just... You really will get bored of the same thing over and over again, you know. And like, I would probably be shot down for saying that, but you know, it's it is true, and it's just guys. I think it's time for a change, you know. And personally, I am well open for the change. And this film does take some big bold risks, and I applaud Ryan Johnson for the bolts that he did take. So, yeah, I agree. I, I'm probably I was saying this to someone last night. I'm probably more excited about his new supposed trilogy within the Star Wars yes. that's taken away from the Skywalker stuff than maybe episode 9 um, that's not to say I want to see how this story resolves itself yes. now we're nearly out of time and we, they are nearly going to throw us out of the Mac here I'm afraid it's very shortly but for we've been talking about a lot of the positives yes. negatives I do have a few niggles I mean the two big ones for me I think um, Snoke is quite possibly one of the biggest disappointments I think yes for a while in the kind of the Star Wars universe um, maybe uh, I think it's General Grievance yeah. and I think he's another one of those characters that was just hyped up and then was just a bit of a disappointment yes. but we might get you know with Star Wars Rebels and stuff in the expanded yeah. MCU you might or not the MCU the expanded <laughs> universe yes. w- with the expanded universe you might get his character broadened out yeah. um, uh, Phasma is another one who yeah. I, I love the actress who names what out of my head who plays Phasma yes. I think she's just another character that was great looks great another Boba Fett kind of character that is a little bit disappointment but my big gripe and I know we're running out of time and I want to give you plenty of time to, to come back with your own thoughts the biggest gripe I have with this film to be honest is the arc of our, of our lead of Rey mm-hmm. considering that the Star Wars film kicks off Pretty much right after where the last one finished. Yes. Her arc of, of where her Jedi abilities are and who she is as a character seems really escalated yeah. when you compare it to, say, Luke. Yeah. In the original trilogy, like from the first one, 
he's just this kind of he's living on a planet looking up at the at the at the two sons lovely callback again in that yeah. in in this film as well to that scene yeah. and he goes from that this this I think is it swamp herder no no oh, nerf herder yeah sorry uh, he goes from a swamp herder in the first film by the end of Return of the Jedi he's a Jedi master yeah Ray kind of feels her her arc feels really escalated like I mean from her force power and her force ability seems really quick yeah. that's just to me maybe my niggle is I think these two could have maybe been compre- compressed together and made a really good episode seven. Yeah. To give us more time with this new rebellion that we're seeing against the, the First Order. Yeah. That's maybe my niggle. When I sit and really think about it, you know, I think it does feel like we went through a lot and there still feels like an awful lot to be done mm-hmm. for episode nine. But now, of course, we have this new trilogy yeah. by, uh, by, by Ryan Johnson. But anyway, I've rambled on like a, a lunatic, you know, your thoughts on what I've said. And for you, before we kind of wrap things up, what are the are the negatives for you about the new film? Uh, yeah, the film, you know, certainly does have a few flaws for me personally. Um, yes, I agree with the uh, Snoke. A lot of build-up, you know, and potential, you know. And I do hope, you know, that in another spin-off film or feature film that he will get, as you say, broadened out. So I really hope that. Um, there was another character who I will not name, who this character, Benicio Del Toro, was fantastic mm. in it, you know, and I did find that his role was very severely thin and without explanation, just, you know. So that kind of annoyed me about it and... Personally, the uh, there's another love story in this between Finn and a new character, Rose, which you say about Ray, you know, given the time to build it up, I felt that this was severely just thrown in. And I, personally, I thought if they had taken the time to really develop it instead of, you know, just, there's Finn, there's this new character, you know, we're going to have them in love, you know. And for what they done with Finn and Rose, you know, I thought it was it was fine, you know, but I thought there could be a lot more potential for those two characters, you know. They tried to do it during the climax, which I was like, I think at that point they thought, maybe thought to themselves, you know, yeah, I think we've kind of just thrown this in, you know, so we have to kind of get this emotion going. But to me, it was kind of just like a quick get out moment, you know, to do it, you know. But for me, I thought it was a bit of a, a downside personally but but no they would be my few flaws for the movie okay well look i think we're out of time i think we're about to be kicked out of the mac here just if, i think just to wrap things up although we've both kind of said we have a few niggly issues with it i know maybe fans some fans are, are reacting negatively to it overall coming back to where we started you're positive about the Last Jedi and positive for for Episode Nine and positive for the the this upcoming new trilogy and these new kind of standalone Star Wars adventures. Yeah, I am so excited for Episode Nine and the rest of the spin-off series that um Ryan Johnson's going to direct and develop. Yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. I really, really do, and I'm glad that they got Ryan Johnson, who is a director with such immense talent and you know and does know his sci-fi very, very well. Um. Yeah, this this franchise does have hope. No pun intended. I like where you finished there. So that's my chat with Joseph about the Last Jedi. We'll carry on our conversation about Star Wars in just a minute. But just so this podcast isn't preoccupied with everything Episode Eight related, I thought I'd catch up with Jess Black to see what she thought of Wonder. It's a film that's been out in cinemas now for a little while. I seen it earlier this year on World Kindness Day at the Movie House Dublin Road, but I caught up with Jess to see what she thought of the film. Hey, two rules. First, only raise your hand once a class, no matter how many answers you know, except for science. Crush the whole. Check. Second, you're going to feel like you're all alone, Augie, but you're not. Check. Should we lose this? Costumes are for Halloween. Prepare for blast off. So that's a clip of Wonder, which was screened earlier this month at the Movie House Dublin Road. I'm joined now by Jess Black from the Emerald Garrison, who was with me at that screening. So, Jess, what are your thoughts on Wonder? 
It's an excellent, family, heartwarming film about a young boy born with Treacher Collins syndrome, a chromosomal duplication causing quite severe facial abnormalities. He's went through his whole young life getting multiple surgeries to look normal in his eyes. Raised by a very loving family, homeschooled, but has now reached that scary point in his life where it's maybe time to start facing the real world by entering school himself. It's an excellent tale. It's it's not your typical heartwarming film in that it's not your kind of very typical uh, horrible, 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 and then very miraculous happy ending. It's a very realistic portrayal of life with somebody in your family who has a condition like this that's lifelong. Yeah, I have to say, I was slightly hesitant when we went to see this film. I am a fan and I am a sucker sometimes of sugary sweet. I'm happy to go into the bliss of a diabetic coma. I was worried this might have been too sugary sweet, but it, it's not. But it is at the same time. I think it's how it's ha- kind of handled. Um, at nearly two hours, I, I do think it's slightly too long. Uh, that kind of that kind of goodwill can only last so long. There is some nice kind of uh, directorial choices. There's a nice play with the narrative, which I think comes from the book, where it kind of everybody has their little vignette, everybody has their little moment. Whilst Augie is the front and center of this film. It kind of expands off and kind of gives other people's perspectives on situations we've seen in the past, which I like, but I still come back to, I, I think that goodwill for me ran out a little near the end. Uh, I was worried. I kind of thought this might end up being another kind of fault in our stars, a film that's going to emotionally manipulate me into a really kind of a, a horrid response, but it, it wasn't that type of film at all. The film's finale, whilst I didn't have a tear, it's it's not Paddington two levels of greatness. You know, it's it feels right and it feels like a logical ending, while yet you could possibly see this story carry on. But that's just me. Your thoughts on my kind of rambly ramble there? It's definitely a very, very sugary sweet film. It's not my usual type of movie. I prefer my sugary sweetness to come from Cadbury's Chocolate. But it is very, very good. It has a fantastic balance throughout of more realistic life situations. You know, it's very realistic in its portrayal of how people would go through life dealing with these kind of conditions, not just uh, Augie himself, but his family. And it gives a fantastic perspective by doing the little interweaving narratives, by giving spins on particular situations that you maybe at first would see on screen and went, oh, that's quite horrible to Augie. But when you see it from the other's perspective, you can see the pain that they're going through as well. And it's great to see that throughout, that although these kind of quite horrible little stories come together to sort of uplift each other up in the end, a very realistic and very loving ending. One that does make you leave the cinema with a very heartwarming feel, but not to the point where you think you've seen it coming. Yeah, I, I agree. I think for me, one of the things that really makes this work for me is the ensemble of, of the cast. We have Julia Roberts, Owen Wilson, two very likeable actors. And I think they have a great chemistry with them. You would believe that they are a couple. You kind of believe that family unit, which I think makes this film work. Julia Roberts, we haven't seen her in so much recently, but when she she pulls out the big guns, when she pulls out the Julia Roberts grin, it's hard not to have a little smile on your face. Owen Wilson, he's maybe the most underdeveloped characters within this, this feature. He is very much dad and dad jokes and dad humor. And that's, he's there to kind of, when the film gets a little bit more tense or a film gets a little bit you know, upsetting, he's there to lighten the mood with a quick dad joke. Um, that's me. I thought they worked really well together. What about you? They did work incredibly well together. Their chemistry on screen was fantastic. They act exactly as I would say most couples with small children do. A lot of jokes, a lot of laughing. You know, definitely working off one another when it comes to dealing with children and their temper tantrums. But I did feel that Owen Wilson was slightly um, underrepresented on the screen in his character with Nate. You don't really get to see a great deal of them other than him pop up every so often, like you've already said, to provide that little bit of comedic relief in situations which are becoming a little bit tense. However, it's very well placed. It doesn't feel very false. It feels just the right timing. And I think it works well to sort of show the chemistry of the family as him as a central patriarch who doesn't really suffer very much. He's there holding everybody together. Although you do see it in the film, he does have his own moments. I think it was nice to maybe focus more on maybe those that maybe people wouldn't think about, like his older sister, Vaya, and family friends who are also associated with him seeing Augie grow up. And I think it was nice to maybe take that focus away, as you would see in many of these type of films, and really show the impact that these kind of lives can have. 
Although I will say he is the Grim Reaper for on-screen cinematic dogs, but we'll we'll say no more. Um, we're running out of time, but one of the things we have to mention, of course, is Jacob Tremblay. Uh, you know, we've seen him in Room. He was fantastic. He made my ovaries tingle then. He does it again here. You know, this could be a role that could very easily be annoying. You know, we've seen earlier this year with, like, the Florida Project, where you, when you just let kids, you just let them be kids and don't try to overact them. He is a talented young actor, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but, I mean, he managed to make that role that you could easily say, oh, it's just annoying child prodigy actor, but there's a genuine sweetness about him. And yes, he also has you know an imaginary Chewbacca in his life. Who wouldn't like him? He is absolutely fantastic. He plays his role so perfectly well. His humour throughout as well is fantastic. He has a brilliant sense of humour. You can tell when he has little moments where he comes off with witty one-liners or little movements, you know, like sort of more physical comedy. But you can tell that's coming from him. That's maybe not something false or really like truly dictated to him. Mm. He plays his role with excellent conviction and he definitely helps move the story along. You don't feel it really at any point you're watching some child read off an autocue per se. It is very well, well done. He's a very good actor. So all round thumbs up for, for viewers for December when you're looking for something different, something to maybe cheer you up coming up to Christmas. Definitely. So that's my chat with Jess about Wonder and uh, we'll get back to Star Wars now as I caught up with Bill Taylor. Bill, regular listeners will know, wasn't a huge fan of The Force Awakens but loved Rogue One. So I thought with the release of The Last Jedi, I thought it'd be an excellent opportunity to catch up with Bill to see if his thoughts on The Force Awakens had mellowed and to see what he thought of The Last Jedi. Electrical overload. I can fix that. Coolant's leaking. Try transferring auxiliary power to secondary, secondary tank. tank. I got it. Uh, uh, Chewie, come on! Mm. <laughs> I need help with this giant hairy thing! Stop moving! You hurt Chewie, you're gonna deal with me! Hurt him? He almost killed me six times! Which is fine! This hyperdrive blows are gonna be pieces of us in three different systems. What'd you do? I bypassed the compressor. So that's a clip of The Force Awakens, and I'm joined by Bill Bullshit Taylor. I'm sorry, Bill, I have to go with that. I have to go with it. We've moved on from Bill the Grumpy Gamer. Bill Bullshit Taylor. Now, for anyone who doesn't know this story, it will come apparent why you are Bill Bullshit Taylor. And uh, it's because, of course, we're talking about Star Wars. We've had Joseph Lennon on earlier on talking about The Last Jedi. I will, of course, give you a chance to talk about The Last Jedi as well. We have Christmassy music in the background, Bill, so hopefully that's going to put you in good mood. But I want to start off, because for anyone who maybe doesn't know, hasn't seen the TV show, or hasn't looked back in the older podcasts where we had you talking about The Force Awakens, yeah. Episode 7, you know, what was your reaction to the film when you watched it? And I'll, I'll then come back to you, because that was, that was two years ago, and I'm then going to come back to you after you've said about your initial thoughts. Now you've had a chance, you've had two years to reflect on what JJ gave us with episode 7. So go back and tell us, for our listeners, your initial reaction to Star Wars The Force Awakens. I absolutely hated it, Jim, to be perfectly honest. Um, I went to the midnight showing and I was really looking forward to this. This was like, ew, Star Wars is back. And I, I was in my full Jedi garb, waving my lightsaber around. That's not a euphemism, that's by the way. That's not a euphemism, no. It's uh, I've got a proper lightsaber. Well, say proper, it's a big toy. Like, um, not that kind of toy. Put them thoughts away. It's Christmas. Um, so I went to watch this film and watching it all and sitting there in the seat and just everything that was happening just seemed really, really familiar. It felt like Beth Tannen in uh, Back to Future 2. He actually makes the comment of saying, this is all very familiar when... And Marty McFly's going around the, the square again, Hill Valley. Um, that's that's what I felt like. I felt like old Biff Tannen. And then they did the unthinkable. Now I'd heard rumours, and I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to do this. Couldn't do that. Be an outcry. Be a disturbance in the force. But they they did. They did it. They they killed Han Solo, and the whole screen was empty. You know, it was screen was full of people. 
and silence, silence back in the whole cinema. <laughs> and I just said, this is bullshit. <laughs> and that's, I suppose that's, that's where you're getting the name from. I was, I was not a happy man. That, two years, two Christmases ago, I was not a very happy man. You definitely weren't. I remember the time we did a, a Force Awakens spoiler podcast. And at the time we had you on and there was a kind of moment, as I said, it, it felt almost like therapy when we were talking about it because it was that kind of moment, as we discussed it, you kind of realised or whether whether it was something you'd already thought or whether it was just from that from that, that, that podcast. It was that, that light bulb moment when you realised that this new Star Wars franchise, this new trilogy, it wasn't maybe for you. Now, as you said at the time, they're still going to get your money. Disney are going to get your money because you have a lovely daughter who is into Star Wars. You have indoctrinated her in the ways yep. of the Force. Absolutely. So, you know, now, Bill, you know, and I know we're going to come on to Rogue One because you were much more positive towards it. But, I mean, before we do that, like it's been two years, and before we get on to The Last Jedi, and before we get on, as I say, to Rogue One, have you mellowed towards The Force Awakens? Because, as I've said at the time, I completely get why people had that negative response to it, particularly the, the Han Solo stuff. But I also understand why, to an extent, JJ had to kind of go back to make something feel like Star Wars. Now, you're looking at me funny, but I get that sense. I knew, I don't think he maybe had to be as, you know, as kind of blazing as he did, but I understood he had to go back to make something feel like Star Wars again and get the old guys, like yourself, like ourselves, on board as long with the along with this new generation of fans. Uh, yeah, I would say I have mellowed. I mean, I don't hate it as much. I don't vomit blood anymore when I watch it. Um, but there, as I've got, you know, two years have passed since it came out, and there are certain things that I, I really like about it. I mean, I love the X-wing stuff. I love the Falcon stuff. The, that bit in Jakku at the start where she's piloting the Falcon. I've actually grown to really love the character Ray, And this is, it's really strange how that came about. It's weird how things happen in serendipitous ways. And it was, I think it was actually last year. Last year, a friend of mine said about uh, Toast of London, right? I don't know if you're aware of the, the Matt Berry sitcom on Channel 4. So I binged, I binged the shit out of it. Uh, three seasons. And, and Daisy Ridley actually pops up in one of the episodes, and it's like, that's that's Daisy Ridley from Star Wars. And I was like, okay, I've a lot more respect for you now. You're in Toast of London. Can't be that bad. So I've actually, I suppose I've had time to reflect and time to think, and I kind of, I do really enjoy and, and like the character of Rey, where she was going in uh, Force Awakens. It's like, she's really in tune with, uh, she's really in tune with how things work. You know, it's like, you know, tinkering about Star Destroyers and stuff. She can fix a Falcon hyperdrive in an instant and knows, you know, it's kind of, I, I, I like that aspect, like that characterization. So I suppose she's the, um, she's the shining light. I suppose her and BB-8 for me. So yeah, it's it's not all bad. Well, yeah, it's definitely not all bad because to put it in a positive kind of a spin on it for you at least, you know, we look now at the amount of studios that have tried to, to do this whole new expanded universe thing. You know, I, I can't fathom, I don't think anyone could fathom if The Force Awakens had a, you know, had a, had a tanked. You know, it was never going to happen. It was a kind of a safe bet. But, you know, like it or not, Force Awakens did kickstart this whole new expanded universe. And then through that, before we get to Last Jedi, we had Rogue One. Now, Rogue One... I think we've talked to you in the past. Rogue One, for me, is the prequel we should have got. Now, you are a defender of the prequels. You are a fan of the prequels. I disagree with you greatly on the prequels. You're allowed to be wrong, Jack. I know you're allowed to be wrong, but you, you're a defender of it. I know you're a defender of the prequels, and I know you view them as original stories. I just still feel there was scope for much, much more, and then that was kind of proven with Rogue One when... I was emotionally engaged with characters we just met for one film. I was more engaged with them than I was throughout, you know, the prequels. 
and hey, well, hey, I still like uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan, and hopefully we're going to get a solo outing for him, but, you know, feel free if you want to interject about the prequels, but, but key point, why was it you had such a different, like, a, it was like a night and day response for you to Rogue One compared to Force Awakens? Rogue One from Rogue One felt like Star Wars to me. It felt like actually how I f- it, it sort of brought me back to when I first saw Star Wars. It, it brought that feeling back, and you know the whole aesthetic of it. It was a it was a worn, well used universe. It was dirty. It was grimy. Um, you had stormtroopers talking nonsense to each other. Um, you know, you sort of got the plight of the rebels, the birth of the Death Star, that sort of thing, good versus evil. You got all of that. And again, I keep harking back to how I sort of thought it was a film of its time. Not Star Wars, Rogue One. I thought it was as, as social commentary. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to get something like that. And, and, you know, sci-fi is supposed to be about that. Sci-fi is supposed to be about sort of analysing the world around us and holding up our mirrors and, and showing showing us ourselves, showing us the stuff we don't want to see or the stuff we don't want to talk about and, and thinking the unthinkable. And, and obviously, yes, you can be really optimistic. And again, the, the, I suppose the, the flip side of that is you can be really um, pessimistic about the future. You just look at Blade Runner and all that sort of stuff. Um, but you know, for me, that's what science fiction is supposed to do. And Rogue One it delivered in speeds. It was absolutely fantastic. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah, I I can't disagree. I I enjoyed it. I I didn't go as far as as some to say that it was fantastic. As I come back to, it's the prequel. I wish I had got you know yeah. at the time when the prequels came out. Um, and I think it's a brave. I'm not gonna. I think we can we can spoiler away. You know, well there is a slight spoiler. We we know we have we know what happens with the Death Star because we have you know, 40 years ago we have the small matter of of a new hope. But I I think it's really brave and the choices that they made with the ending of the film. We're not gonna have a Rogue Two, Rogue Three. We're not gonna have those characters. Their story has been told and the baton has been passed. Weirdly, 40 years ago to Skywalker and Co. Now we pick up, we come back. We've already talked about uh, the Force Awakens. Like just on that note, it's in my head. Just did you not get that sense of that used universe from the Force Awakens? Because that was the one thing that instantaneously got me. Because Star, War- Star Wars should be edgy. It's a Western, and I got that from the kind of you, you, like with the whole stuff with Jakku. I got that from the start with kind of we, we meet Rey she's a scavenger there's that kind of the the, the at at in the sand I got that which is more again coming back to the prequels the prequels were just too shiny they were too mm. shiny and oh, new yeah, yeah. Absolutely. they were too yeah. CGI laden but yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, I can take that on the chin that's fair enough um, everything about the prequels was it was you know for rightly or wrongly I mean, you're you're going back to 1999 for Phantom Menace. You're you're going back almost 20 years. Um, that makes me feel really old. I know, but the the amount of CGI in that film for a, a film of its age is incredible. I mean, the amount of work that would have went into that. I know a lot of people complain about the CGI and things like that, but I, I understand why it was there because that was the pinnacle of the effects of the time um, and you know 2002 we got uh, Attack of the Clones again it was another CGI fest but it was slightly more polished better CGI better animations apart from uh, your man falling off a big warthog in the field it was a bit silly but, but you know we'll give you that one a bit silly um, and then you've got uh, 2005, you've got Revenge of Sith, which again, big CGI fest, yes. But again, if you didn't have those films, if you didn't have the amount of money Lucas was given and thrown at CGI developments for that, you wouldn't have the likes of Avatar and stuff today. You know, it's, it's, it's things like that. And I think people seem to forget that 
If it wasn't for the, the prequels, you wouldn't have the technology around that you've got today. It was Lucas that was pushing for all of this. A lot of the stuff nowadays is is done by, you know, is done by Lucasfilm and um, ILM and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that was that was pretty much Lucas doing. Well, not him personally, I suppose, but he certainly had his hand in. And you know, people should be grateful. You should be grateful. Yeah, I agree, because I know there's been a lot of talk recently with the whole, like, how Andy Serkis is heralded as the master of mocap, but, you know, we had with, like like him or hate him, I don't know where you stand, I, I mean, he's a Sith Lord in some universe, Jar Jar Binks, he was a mocap creation, and I think it, the name of the actor has went out of my head. I'm the best. That's the one. Um, you know, he is someone who's, I'm kind of, he does feel, like, forgotten. As, as being a part of the the mocap revolution, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. I suppose that's just that's the way the cookie goes. Sometimes, I mean, there's there's poor Ray Park as well. Um, he was a Sith Lord for a film, and his role seems to have have been forgotten. Um, but the the weird thing is, um, whenever it was announced that Kenobi was going to be one of the standalone films, the amount of pe- the amount of people that were saying, right, get McGregor back, it's like, okay, I thought you hated the prequels, but you want them back. Can't have it both ways, Jim. You know what I mean? Shit or get off the pot. Well, Bill, as I've often said when anyone pushes me on anything like this, I say the joy of being a film critic is you get to be a hypocrite. And Absolutely. You get yes. to be a hypocrite and look, I would say Obi-Wan can Obi Ewan McGregor's performance as Obi-Wan Kenobi is just, it's its not the problem with the prequels. The prequels, no, the prequels, I come back to, they was a filmmaker trying to get CGI to tell a story, where yeah. I come back to where the basics of a story... Well, don't get me wrong, the, the, some of the dialogue in those films is, it's, is atrocious. Um, I, the one aspect I didn't like was the whole midichlorian thing. It's like, right, so you've actually come up with a chemical way of analysing the Jedi Force. No, wise up, wind it in. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying they're perfect, but I enjoyed them for what they were. I, I personally loved the whole idea of this droid army, and then you've got the clone army come along to fight the droid army, and then the clone army's the bad army. Awesome. I mean... The, the fight scenes, all oh, the fight scenes in those, uh, and the, the spaceship scenes in those films are absolutely epic. I can't disagree with you because it's going to let me then perfectly go back to The Last Jedi to hear your thoughts. I know Joseph Lennon, as I said earlier on, has, has already discussed the film. For me, the opening of The Last Jedi, this film, it's up there in terms of a, a great opening space battle to rival, you know, it's, it is, as I've said, often maligned. Revenge of Sith has a great opening space battle, and I think The Last Jedi probably is the closest, maybe, to surpassing or at least equaling that sequence. Mm-hmm. I, as I've said, I have a review to put up. I want to go see Last Jedi again. I like it a lot. Joseph liked it earlier on. It would be wrong of me not at this opportunity to say, right, Bill, now we're here, episode eight. You know, you've had your problems with Force Awakens. What is your thoughts now? on The Last Jedi. I, I liked it. Um, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I, I really... I have to say, as a, as a cinematic spectacle, I, I really... I did really enjoy it. I thought it was pretty good. That's not to say it's perfect, because it isn't. There's there's a few things that I had issues with. Um, but I'm, reading some of the stuff on the internet, I mean, a lot of people aren't happy. And, you know, fair enough. I mean, if, if you feel that strongly about it, go make your own Star Wars film, you know. But um, no, I, I loved that opening, that opening ball. I thought it was great. Those bombers were awesome. They were absolutely fantastic. Although you can't drop bombs in space. Not, not that way. Not you're not supposed to do it that way. They, there's no gravity. They don't fall. <laughs> Bell. Although. I mean, it's 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 the second in this new trilogy, and I was scared that they were going to copy um, Empire, and they did, but not in the right way, <laughs> you know. Well, actually, this brings actually, <laughs> I I weirdly must think about you far too much, Bill. Maybe you have had that effect on me. There is, you know, as I said earlier on with Joseph, there is a lot of callbacks to previous films. There is a callback to Empire in this film's finale, 
and and we see it as a snowy what looks at first glance like a snowy and then it's there's a little the way walks on and it's salt it's not snow and i just literally went that's for people like bill taylor yep now the thing to remember about empire strikes back is it kind of it kind of reverses the movie um uh, sequence anyway normally a film is you build stuff up you introduce things build stuff up and then you have your big finale um but Empire, it actually gives you the big blockbuster attack at the start of the film and then gets into the story afterwards. Um, and it, so, you know, Last Jedi kind of follows the normal thing where we get our we get our thing and then we get our build-up and then we get our finale, which is the, the Adat Walkers and stuff. So, you know, I was I, I was a bit, bit concerned about that, but there, there are a lot of callbacks to Empire Strikes Back in this. Um, I've already mentioned the bombing. Uh, we do see Thai bombers in um, in Empire, and we see the Rebel bombers in this one. Um, albeit the Empire ones work properly; they fire the bombs out with propulsion. Nonsense. Um, I actually really liked. Um, I actually liked that first character that we meet, Paige. Mm-hmm. I thought she was awesome. I saw the action figure of her; I was going to buy it. And spoiler alert: didn't realize she was only going to be in for like thirty seconds or something. So you're glad you didn't buy it then? Uh, well, I might buy it anyway as a, as a little tribute. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of stuff in Last Jedi that I really, really liked. Loved the Porgs, loved Leia, loved Luke, um, really loved Rey. I thought the relationship between Rey and Kylo Ren was fantastic. I thought Kylo Ren, he's redeemed himself in this film. In, in you did find him a bit emo the last time around? Yes, I, I found him really annoying with the mask. But again, I think this is the director maybe addressing some of the issues that people had with the first film. Maybe he had the same kind of issues. And he's like, well, you know what? You set this up, JJ. I'm going to knock it down. Set this up. I'm going to knock it down. And he does that for quite a lot of the characters from um, Force Awakens. He gets rid of them. Yeah, because I think I've heard in a couple of interviews with Brian Johnson that he had a clean slate. And you kind of think of the way a trilogy normally would be planned you know i'm surprised at how much of carte blanche he was given to do with the characters he was given a a clean slate to start with and he pretty much to an extent leaves well jj again to come back with episode nine another clean slate now now i know we were talking prior to the recording and i know i mentioned this with joseph my big gripe with uh, this film is is the fact that it seems to take place for the first two installments of this new trilogy in a matter of days, weeks, at most months. Like the first trilogy, the original trilogy, is is years, possibly decades. You know, you will probably know better than me that exact time span. But we look at the start of of a new hope. You know, Luke Skywalker is just to an extent a nobody on a planet, looking up at the two suns. And by the end of that trilogy, he's the, the man who almost single-handedly brings down the Empire. You know, he's a, well, there is the, the small matter of the, the Rebel Alliance, but he is single-handedly, you know, that's a whole part of his mystique that is then brought into The Force Awakens and to, to an extent this. This film seems to seek, this arc, protect, particularly Rey, who I'm a fan of, but I just think her, her, her arc just seems to be so accelerated yeah, it's in, in comparison. It's way too quick. Um, you see, the thing is, again, this is this all goes back to me not liking your man, Rian Johnson, anyway. Didn't really like... Looper's a good enough visual film and all that sort of stuff, but um, plays too fast and loose with um, concepts. I, I get the feeling that he doesn't really think things out um, in, in his stories too well, um, and I think he's done the same here with, uh, with Star Wars. I mean, we, we've constantly had, through the universe, even the Rebels cartoon bring, brings up as well about the, you know, the, the trials of a Jedi. It's not just a case of, you know, day one, lift rocks, day two, cut the lightsaber, day three, here's your diploma, don't cut your head off. You know, it, it's, it's not as simple as that. Um, I mean, this is me getting into all sorts of depth of, I suppose, fandom and, and, and things like that. But, you know, Yoda, you know, Yoda takes ages to become a Jedi in, in, in the history of the thing. Um, so does Obi-Wan. 
Um, Obi-Wan doesn't actually become a Jedi Knight until... Well, I don't even know if he becomes a Jedi Knight. I don't think he does. He just becomes a Jedi. He's not a Jedi Knight. Um, he does the trials. Um, and that's it. I don't think he progresses up the ranks. Um, and Luke himself, he sort of... Well, he never finishes his training. Realistically. He's a flop. He's a, you know, a college... He's a college dropout. But what we can say... Like, I... I know we've kind of mentioned, you've mentioned you like Mark Hamill in this. Mm. I, I have to say, it, it is one of the best things in the film. I would maybe have loved to have seen more of him in Force Awakens. I, again, there's only so much we can talk about with this, um, mm. but there's some wonderful, truly gifable, and I never thought as a 35 year old I would be saying that word, moments. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned with Joseph, that wink, the, yeah. the kind of little dust off of the shoulder. Those are yeah, but that, that can that brings back the. I mean, people have really taken against the film, and you've mentioned you, you were talking there about fandom. There's this sense of entitlement with fandom. One big thing I know people have really taken against is that moment you've you've mentioned where he throws the lightsaber away. How did you react to that? And I mean, why do you think, for someone who's coming out and saying, I kind of like this film, I have problems with it, I have nitpicky things that I don't like with it. But why do you think there is people out there who are having this really adverse reaction to it? Like, the critics seem to be lauding it. Fans seem to be really against it. So, I mean, why do you think people are taking against the film? I think it's, again, I think it's an age thing with a lot of people. I I don't know, I'm just surmising. Um, One of of my sort of critiques of the film would be that it, it... at times it feels very marvel It feels like a Marvel film. The amount of wisecracks and funny bits and, and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if you're one of those people that views the cinema as an art form, then, you know, your past five or six years going to the cinema is bound to be miserable because, you know, it's, it's just been remakes... It's just been superhero films, you know, and, and high-spectacle blockbuster films. You're, you're not really getting any sort of really big, arty films. The only one I can think of in the recent times is Mother, as, as being one of those kind of films. And I don't even think it did that well. I, I've yet to see it, so I can't really judge. But, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, the cin- maybe expecting too much from the cinematic experience. I think it has evolved. So I think it does have something... In that area, and that you know, you have to you sort of have to take into account the time that we live in. We now live in like it's almost like an on-demand time. You know, you can just sit there on your phone and watch something on Netflix, get a fix of some Norwegian drama or something like that, and bang, you know, you're you're sort of you, you've scratched that itch. That's an interesting insight into your psyche, Bill. Well, you know, it's. <laughs> I don't know why I picked Norwegian drama. You know, it should be Rick and Morty or something like that. Um, but you know, it, I suppose it's of a time. You know, Star Wars was big because I suppose at the time, forty years ago, you had one or two channels on TV. You had the wireless and you had the cinema. What were you gonna do? What were you gonna do? You weren't gonna sit in your hole and watch, I don't know, one man and his dog. I suppose was that out forty? Like, like I know. Police six songs of praise, um, so I think you know the times have changed, and I think people are expecting you know they they want the immediate fix, they want the immediate. Eh, eh. People don't want to think anymore. They don't want to go go away and think. I think do that's you, part of the problem. Do you think? And it's only from listening to you, and it's only come to me right away. So feel free to interject or say if I'm saying bullshit. See, we're getting deep now. But do you think do you think it's a case, Bill, that people are maybe reacting to it because it's not Lucas's episode eight, nine, and ten? Do you think it would be different if George Lucas had made the decision to kill Han Solo? If George Lucas had made the decisions he he'd want to do with episode eight and what he wants to do with episode nine? Do you think fans would maybe react differently and they're maybe reacting because this is Disney have taken over something I loved, I grew up with. They have taken away George Lucas's baby. Granted, he made a lot of money from selling that, and I think he's still making money from it. I think he's still he's well, still, still Lucasfilm. He's, he's still, still making money. So, I mean, yeah. 
Do you think, and it's only propped it, popped into my head, do you think that's maybe the case? No, I think, I, I don't honestly think it, that would have anything to do with um, it. Would, I, to me, I don't really think it would have mattered who directed it. You could have had Steven Spielberg directing it, and people still would have been up in arms. You know what I mean? I think people, I don't know, I, th- I think that's one of the things of the internet. People have the right to their opinion. And they also believe that they have the right to tell the world that opinion. And it's like, no, you don't. You know, keep your opinions to yourself. They're like your beliefs. Keep them to yourself. We don't need to know them. And I think it's just people going mad. Although I did read, um, somebody went off on one about the whole film being like, uh, being like a big feminist crusade. <laughs> did you read that one? And it's basically the whole film, um, Every single male character is either really arrogant, really nasty, or really stupid, in the fi- or really scary. They basically all have negative uh, qualities, every single male f- character, but every female character has all positive char- characteristics. And you kind of go through the film going, mm, mm, mm. is this a PC Star Wars? Who knows? Just drop that in there. Drop the mic. Bill's getting deep. You know, you've mentioned it. Like it's never been easier to get your opinion out there. And there's this, there's this sense of entitlement. Yeah. I think is. with with fans that it's ours, and that's, that's the idea. When I come back, it's like it's our baby. We want you to do. We want you to do what we want you to do with it. We don't want you to do what you want with it that sentence makes sense in my head yeah, but yeah. I, I get that but you know we're talking about you know, bringing it back to the film itself you know i, I do want to talk about carrie fisher because i'm not yeah. afraid to admit i shed a tear i've i've been critical of the callbacks that star wars this new trilogy have done um particularly with the kind of like the, the callback itself that was force awakens to a new hope but there is a I'm going to say it, and this sounds a bit OTT, there's a beautiful callback in this mm-hmm. film, and even Luke, I know it's like spoilerific, says, I'll not say what it is, but it says, that's a cheap shot. That's a cheap shot to try and get me back from this exile, this, I think as he calls it, the most unfindable part of the universe. I'm not afraid to admit that I had a, I shed a little tear at that point when I suddenly, it was that realisation that I'm not going to see Carrie Fisher on the big screen again. I'm someone, I've, I've talked about this with Joseph, i talked about this in the TV show, you know, not to the extent of that woman. I've had my little touches with depression, but she was someone, not only was she Princess Leia, not only was she a crush before I realized what a crush was, but she was someone who embraced her kind of problems and said, this is who I am, like me or don't. Mm -hmm. And I have adored that woman's books that she's written over the years. And I did, I had a little tear when I, I got really upset when I realized we're not, you know, we're not going to have Carrie Fisher in, in episode 9. We're not going to see her as Princess Leia or as anything on the big screen again. It was a moment when that hit me. Yeah, I mean, that is... Uh, that was one of, I suppose, one of my... I wouldn't say fears. I was kind of looking... It was one of my reasons for going to the film. I know I hated uh, Force Awakens. Um, I've mellowed somewhat, but I, I did have a lot of... I did have a few reservations about this one, but I went in fully knowing that this is Guy Fisher's last on-screen performance. Um, and yes, um, every scene she's in is is fantastic. She's really good. And I was actually reading, um, was it today I read somewhere, that there are no deleted scenes of hers at all. Um, every single thing, every scene that she did is in the film. So, um, you know, that's that's pretty good. It's it's good for us, but it's it's not so good because that's it, you know. Um, unless they CGI her again, who knows? Who knows? I, I honestly don't know what they're gonna do. Um, but I'll say this: I thought her daughter Billy Lord was fantastic in the film. I'm a big fan of hers anyway from uh, American Horror Story, uh, American Horror Story Cult. She was very good in it. Um, but yeah, she's she's a welcome addition to the Star Wars universe. So I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I think I'm glad that well the official line from Star Wars and Lucasfilm is that nothing was changed 
she had done all her scenes and nothing has been changed. I do get a sense there's a problem there, but you know, we, well, you are, well, you actually are, well, you are a screenwriter, you are a writer, you're a director. A screenwriter will figure a way out of that problem. I kind of hope it's not going to be CG. I think she is one of the, the first actresses that had in her kind of will that her likeness was not to be used after her passing. I know the family had kind of said that they may or may not mellow to that idea. I don't know, because I mean, I, I just didn't like that. As much as it, I think possibly I didn't like that that CGI Princess Leia in Rogue One, probably because it was just so soon after she passed away. And I think maybe that's why it just to me felt, as much as I probably was well-intentioned, it was maybe just too soon. But hey, I'm I speaking here. Bit, I thought that Rogue One, I thought it was a bit much. Um, they didn't need to show us her face. Yeah. I thought they, they didn't need, they, all they needed to do there was finish on the, the, the camera pass at the doorway and you see her in the, in the room. That's all they needed. And to be fair, we got a bit of that in the trailer for Last Jedi. We see the, her in the back. And I think you're going to, that's probably what you're going to see in, the episode nine. That's how they're probably going to do it. They're going to have somebody there. They're going to voice, but you're not going to see the face. Yeah, and as I say, like the same thing. I know um, I don't want to go back to Rogue One. The same thing could easily be done with Peter Cushion. They overused yeah, yeah. it too much yeah. with that kind of CGI, and I have real issues with the use of Peter Cushion. It's just me as a film critic. Would Peter Cushion wanted to have been in that film? I know his likeness was put out, and the estate were happy with it. But you know, it's just a whole kind of thing that I have issues. But we're not going to go down there. We've been talking for nearly half an hour, so I do want to bring things kind of to a close. Like when I spoke to you after The Force Awakens, you were pretty downbeat. Mm -hmm. You've mellowed. You've mellowed with Force Awakens. Where are you now, as someone who is a, probably one of the biggest Star Wars fans, I know within the Bandaflex ranks, you know, where are you sitting right now? We have episode nine, two years away. JJ's back. JJ's back from Rogue. <laughs> JJ's back. We're now going to have this new supposed trilogy that Ryan Johnson is not only directing, but he's also writing, you know. So we also have the solo stuff. We have, you know... We're, of course, no pun intended, we have the Han Solo, you know, origin story. I think there's a whole big thing with this about DICE in, in The Last Jedi. I do think that's a cheap shot that will be then be a plot early, strand early, with, early with, 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 with Solo. But right now, are you back to being a fully enthused Star Wars fan who's excited about where the franchise and the series is heading? Yes, I am. Absolutely. I think it's, it's actually... You know, for better or for worse, um, we're pretty much getting a Star Wars film every year. I mean, how cool is that? No, but seriously, how, how cool is that? That's that's pretty good. I mean, if you were told this ten years ago that we're getting a Star Wars film every year, you could buck daft. Of course you would. Well, I'm going to buck daft now. I think it's great. Um, my love for Star Wars grows and grows. I will say that. I've actually started collecting the uh, the old toys again. Got a nice week collection. Nearly got all the figures again from the old stuff. Um, so, but are you going to start collecting the new stuff again? Well, I've got most of the Rogue One stuff. Um, I, I don't want to call myself a collector because I'm, I'm one of these guys that believes that you know things of God should be played with. Not that I sit and play with dolls or anything. Nothing wrong with that, Bill. Nothing wrong at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just like I, I like the. I suppose I like to look at them and touch them. And, sounds wrong um, you know maybe stick with collector uh, yeah I'm a, I'm a collector um, but yeah I mean it's Star Wars Star Wars to me is life you know what I mean it's, it's fantastic uh, Solo really looking forward to the film really looking forward to the film um, I know it's, it's sort of one of those films that oh they sacked the two directors and bought in Richie from Happy Days and I was like yeah but yeah, I'll, I'll watch it of course, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna enjoy it as well. It sounds pretty good. Um, episode nine, uh, JJ back. Well, I've mellowed in Force Awakens, so let's see what he brings to the. Again, they've got the character Ray. Really like that. Really like BB-8. Loved all the wee round droids. There was loads of them. Love them all. They're fantastic wee things. We have an evil BB-8 as well. Seen that BB-9E? Hi. 
he's pretty cool. I like him as well. Um, and then after that, uh, there's speculation of a Boba Fett film, Kenobi film, possibly a Yoda film. Um, you know, the, the universe is their oyster. It, it, it can go whatever way they want. Now that Disney's got it. Um, remember, Disney bought Fox. Was it this week? Last week? So, one way or another, they were getting Star Wars anyway. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I was at Disney there, or at Orlando, and the Star Wars stuff's fantastic. Absolutely incredible. You can't, you can't knock it, man. It's Star Wars. What do I mean? I think for me, the thing I'm excited by, particularly by the Ryan Johnson stuff, and I know we've kind of said you have problems with some of his stuff. Yeah. I think what I'm excited is Star Wars is a universe, and I think it can be bigger than mm-hmm. Skywalker. And I think that's what I want. And I think it, I, I don't want to bring it up because it's, and I don't really want to discuss it because it's too soon to be spoilerific. You know, I've liked what they've done with Ray in this film, and the fact, well, I think they've also left it open ended that they can easily go back in themselves and change that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they've kind of moved away from this fact that everyone had the, their fan theories on who she was and her lineage yeah. and I think they've kind of went well this is what you think no that's that's not going to be the case and I like that and I mean yeah. I, again I, I don't want to I don't want to get in, stuck into that because it's spoilerific but it is you know it's kind of going back to that callback to Empire Strikes Back it's up there and I think considering the kind of digital era you've mentioned with Twitter and social media as it is now the fact that they have been able to keep it so secret says at least I think they know what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, ex- I'm I'm excited. Like I mean, you've mentioned all those things. I want a Porg solo movie. That's what I want. I want a Porg movie just See, with them. Easily do a cartoon of like you know like the dead in the eighties where you had droids and you had Ewoks cartoon. They could easily do a Porg cartoon with those weird looking nuns and stuff as well. And it's like. Be like a, you know, Disney. You already did gummy bears. Why don't you do something with the porgs and like a gummy bear style? Huh? See, I'll help write it. Whoever's listening, copyright Bill Taylor. Yeah, I, I want, I want, I want actually a, a porg chewy film. I wanted that as a body, a lethal weapon kind of body cop kind of thing. With that would be fantastic. I adored the porgs, as I said on the TV show. Whether it made the cut, you know, and it feels weird. I said that. For too many things this year, the Porg made my ovaries tingle, if that's physically possible. I'm not quite sure about my genetics, but, you know, they made my ovaries tingle, and they just were cuteness. And I know they were there for cuteness' sake, but I still loved them, and I adored them in every possible way. And they weren't overkill. That's the thing I liked about them. They weren't overkill. It's not like they were in your face for the whole film, because they weren't. And I liked that. You know, you just saw them every so often and they were there and lovely, lovely wee critters. I think, Bill, that is a lovely place. I'm actually relieved, as I say, I was hesitant to see when we started this interview to see how you would think about The Last Jedi because I still remember doing the interview. I think it was only a couple of days after Force Awakens came out. So I'm relieved that you are back and you're enthused about all things Star Wars. So thank you very much, Bill. So that's my chat with Bill and that pretty much brings this podcast to a close. Uh, All that's really left for me to say is thank you very much for listening. Thank you to all our contributors. We'll be back with another episode soon. But for now, until then, goodbye. Goodbye.